0: Before we get started on GM Street today, I'd like to tell you about the Ringer's YouTube channel. We have stepped up our game in 2017 with with weekly videos like Cousin Sal's Best Bet, Slow News Days, NBA Desktop, No BS, Table Reads, Director's Commentary, and Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino, as well as our video podcasts and mini-movies like Take Hunter, Ringer 360, and Claytheism. Coming in 2018, a weekly video mailbag from Bill Simmons, Mallory Out of a Hat, and a slew of other new digital shows. Don't miss anything. Just go to theringer.com slash video, or even better, go subscribe to our channel at youtube.com slash theringer. Let's get into GM Street. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Tate Fraser, and it is Friday, December twenty second, I mean, Saturday for the listeners. And I am joined by Mr. Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing?
1: I am great, Tate Fraser. You got all your shopping done? Are you going to do it when you get home? What are we doing? I,
0: uh, I leave late tonight on a ride. Right. I, I have a, a few more things to buy before I fly back. The, the worst thing about going cross country is that you have to fly with your gifts, or yeah, you like, either have to ship your gifts home so that right. you know the people, you know, my family, they right. will see the gifts that I bought them. So
1: it's a predicament. Well, can't you like send it to somebody else's address, like? i
0: could but then i have to i don't have a car when i'm back home now you know my car is out here so then i have to borrow my car you know my parents car or my brother's car, and you know they would all it, All basically i have to bring a big do you suitcase. have like a
1: store you shop at it there in the, in the little town
0: in my town yeah uh no there's not much there in henderson but i'm gonna go to skipper's barbecue best barbecue in the world henderson north carolina if you haven't you've never been there go check it out skipper's barbecue
1: skipper's barbecue in henderson yes. north carolina yes
0: go check it out right by my old high school northern vance high school
1: what do you get there I gotta, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna check this out on go Google. Go check it out. Too. Write it
0: down. They they actually used to ship out uh, barbecue out here to uh, some famous North Carolinians like uh, Andy Griffith and uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. That, right. That's the word on the street. We, you know, the, there's a lot of folklore in uh, in the South, so we don't know if that's necessarily true. But what, that's make, what is, I've it, told. is it
1: sweet sauce? Is it like oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, vinegar based? That's North Carolina. Should so, we get Joe House down there to test it? I don't know if Joe House. Uh, I don't know if he's ready for that. You know, he he, he may not have the palate uh, prepared for how good this barbecue is. He may never leave. He may stay in North Carolina forever. Uh, I love it. I, I'm not a big barbecue guy, but I mean,
1: I grew up in New Jersey, so I don't
0: know. Yeah, but South I, Carolina's mustard, North Carolina's vinegar, and vinegar is the best. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Keep I did sweet. not know
1: that. I would, have, I would have failed that Jeopardy question right yeah, there. Yeah, see,
0: that, I got you. Well, if we talk barbecue, I can handle that. Uh, but we're going to talk football, and that's what you can handle. Uh, we got a lot going on. Uh, first off, before we get into this, uh, Dick Enberg, a, a, a true legend yeah. I just want to bring up. I mean, the guy's been calling games for 60 years. Obviously, the classic and, patent and oh my, everyone remembers those moments. Um, just a quick thought on Dick Enberg. You know, it's so, um, it's such a different
1: era. You know, there's so much difference in our age that when I was growing up, Tate, it was, there was only one game on a a weekend. And Mm -hmm. so, these announcers became like your best friends. You know, that voice became synonymous with you. You're going to like it was like a moment where you were getting happy. Like if you heard Brett Musburger say and, you know, you were looking live or if you hear Dick Enberg say, oh, my, or Al Michaels, can do you believe it? You know, like those voices were like they triggered a happiness in your in your way because you were enjoying. Now with, you know, Springsteen says 200 channels and nothing on like you. (laughs) You can't even like I, I don't even know who the announcers are all the time and Mm so that the era that he came in he was a byproduct of of that he was a single you know when I would Saturday afternoons Notre Dame play UCLA when they broke the streak or these incredible college basketball games that when I was growing up we weren't privileged to seeing 400 of them like you know Fordham playing St. John's would never have been on Mm -hmm. you know now it's all the games. Well, it used were, to
0: be a big deal if you were on TV. Oh, my God. It was huge. You uh-huh. know, when
1: I went to Hofstra, the Big East was just starting to come around, Georgetown, Syracuse. So I, we would go over to St. John's and watch their games if they played at at home. I mean, I saw Pearl Washington play. Pearl to Pearl. In, in St. John's Arena. Like, they didn't even play at the Garden at that time. So it was just building. And I can remember being in, in Williamsburg, Virginia on a Monday. I was scouting Bill and Mary. And I was dying to see... Georgetown play St. John's, and Mm -hmm. it was on this channel called ESPN, and of course, naturally, I was staying at the Williamsburg Inn, and of course, they didn't have it. So (laughs) that era, you know, Dick kind of brought that era in, and and so it's really... His voice was incredible. His storytelling was, I think, really remarkable. He's one of the great wordsmiths of all time. He really was.
0: Yeah, it's a last of a dying breed. I mean, for me, I always looked up to announcers, and it's sad to see that whole era of guys that there's no one to point to, really. I mean, as Al Michaels, you know, as all these guys sort of wrap up their careers, I mean, Vince Scully we saw, I mean— it's sad because it hits home because we don't know if we're going to get a golden generation again. You know,
1: Al Michaels goes to this restaurant in Los Angeles called Toscano's. It's over uh-huh. in Brentwood. He's yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, he's there like four or five nights a week. <laughs> so last night we have a bunch of family in town. So we went over to Toscano's, which I absolutely love Toscano's. It's like one of my favorite places in the city. And, and he was at, on his way to Green Bay. But, you know, it would have been like I was hoping he would have been there. I thought, you know, the Monday night game because I wanted to talk to him about his memories of Enberg, which would have been probably pretty good because Al doesn't tweet or anything like that. But I will do a live report from Toscanos the next time, and we'll get Al Michaels on Please that do,
0: please do. We, we always enjoy Al, Al Michaels' stories. He was one of my favorite guests on the Bill Simmons podcast. He's just literally the coolest guy you could ever meet. Yeah, he really is. And he always had this hostility between
1: Al Davis and the Raiders. So whenever mm-hmm. we were good and they had to do a game, it was hilarious. It was like...
0: <laughs> like the, backhanded compliments yeah, and things a, a, like that. Yeah, and you
1: almost had to read between the lines what he was trying to do. Now, he's a really, now he's also a really an unbelievable guy. and the, I think there's an instinct. that You know, when, when you, like... When you grow up with that and you hear those voices, it's just, it's like you hear a song from your childhood mm-hmm. that makes you feel better about it, you know? And I think that's what Michaels does. I know that's what Emberg did. And, you know, like, look, Keith Jackson on college football. I mean, that was like, whoa. You know, you hear his voice, you're like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So it's really good. Rest in peace, Dick.
0: Well, we hope we get another uh, group of guys that will that will do that and strike a chord. But we're not sure that'll happen, so we have to appreciate the ones that we have. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, let's get into the games. This is the whole point of this podcast, Saturday Sit Down, we've been doing this for, what, about eight weeks now? Yeah. Uh, we, we give you five games. Mike, Mike Lombardi gives you five games to point to. A hard uh,
1: five games. I mean, I, look, I, I, I will confess, full disclosure, I listen to the great Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal and... <laughs> And uh, I listen to them go go over the lines, uh-huh. and I kind of hear what they say about the games. And I, I love Simmons's poop fest, and you know, and and, and I think this week he's was... changed those nicknames about fifteen <laughs> times. You, if, if you kept up, I, I really am impressed. <laughs> I love it, you know. So I like it's always so hard to like. What game do you want to do? Do you want to do Detroit Cincinnati? Like, mm-hmm. is anybody really other than the, other than the people in Detroit? I don't even think people in Cincinnati care about Detroit Cincinnati. You know, there'll be eight people at that game. Um, so it's this was a hard week to really pick a lot. Lot of games, so we'll go through it.
0: Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, first game we have, and I think this is actually an interesting game because that was part of the problem. As you were picking these games, I mean, you just want to have a game you want to watch too. And I think one of these games will be this first game we have, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on Jimmy G and the 49ers. I think this is the first test we're going to see. This Jacksonville defense, their pass defense is unlike any other we've seen in the AFC this year, and we're going to see if Jimmy G can take it.
1: Yeah, I, I think people really need to. If you have a moment, you should. And I know I'm I'm president of the Jimmy G Fan Club, and I know I, know <laughs> I go over the top. I
0: mean, my two sons. You might be vice president. I think Bill might be at the top. Uh,
1: I, I, I think I, I I think I can one up Bill Simmons on that one. I had a lot more to do with Jimmy G getting there than he did. Anyway, I'm not going to pull rank here. But anyway, uh you know, it, 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 I think if you listen to this inside the NFL, it's just where he talks about throwing the football, how he throws the receiver open. It isn't just like you know. What I don't think people understand often is when a receiver's back is turned to the defense, right, and if the quarterback throws the ball to my left shoulder, right, that means he wants me to turn left because the tackler's coming from my right. Mm -hmm. If he turns, throws it to my right, so – and what Jimmy was talking about on that thing was all those things. This is goes This goes back to Walsh's days when Walsh was talking about. This is one of the things that Montana used to— It's used a lead
0: to, pass. It's like in basketball
1: when you exactly, lead someone to a point. Exactly what it is. It's a lead pass, but, it, uh, as, but you have to be in sync with the quarterback to know what he's trying to get done. And it takes a unique player to have the ability to control the football that well. I mean, all due respect to Blake Bortles, he's just trying to throw the ball to you. He isn't trying to throw you to where you— He
0: wants it in a perimeter where you yeah, can catch it, yes.
1: Exactly. So, you know, anyway, back to the game. There's a little love for Jimmy. I think this will be a hard game for the 49ers because it's going to be difficult for them to play from in front. And I think the team that beats Jacksonville must play from in front. If you look at Jacksonville's numbers... It just break them down and study their numbers. When they're in the lead, they're a completely different team early in the game than when they are behind. And their defense is remarkable when they can play from in front, when they can rush the passer and they can get all those guys going and they can sit on routes. I think Kyle Shanahan's got to do a really good job of staying in base personnel in this game. He's got to keep Calais Campbell in a five technique. He's got to keep, whether it's Darby or Jones, at the nose tackle. What you want to do against Jacksonville is make them play base. You mm-hmm. don't want to get a nickel game with Jacksonville. Jacksonville in a nickel game can create turnovers and then I think what you got to do is you got to pressure Bortles I mean you can't let him have the luxury to stand back there count the five Mississippi and then throw the ball <laughs> absolutely but I I think Jacksonville's the uh is going to wear this this 49er team as much as I love Jimmy I think Jimmy's going to have his first loss here I think Jimmy I think Jacksonville will win the game because Jacksonville's a better team and I think they're peaking at the right time
0: but I I, I love what Jimmy's done absolutely uh next game we have here the Atlanta Falcons going down to the Dome to take on the New Orleans Saints. This is a weird game. I mean, the line on this game is five points uh, for the Falcons. Uh, Mike Francesa and Cousin Sal both said that they love this game uh, with the, the points that they're getting. For so, the Falcons. For the Falcons, yes. Yeah. Coming coming into the Dome, the Saints obviously had, had a hard time last weekend with the New York Jets. Couldn't quite put them away. Um, is there calls for concern if you're a Saints fan?
1: I think there is, and here's why. I think A.J. Klein's a really good player, and they had to put him on IR, and I think hmm. that really hurts them. I really do. I think A.J. Klein really played well for him. He was their version of Luke Keekly. And he played well, and I think it's going to hurt their defense. And, you know, they've got a lot of guys. I mean, I think Jeff Ireland and Mickey Loomis, they've done a great job of drafting this draft. has got guys in it. This is going to be a game where they're going to have to control the game with their offensive running game. I think that's going to be the most important. 17 days ago, they had a chance to win it. Deion Jones makes the play going down the middle of the field. Drew Brees. They didn't play great that day, mm-hmm. and they hung in there. Uh, Atlanta, to me, every time I want to get behind Atlanta, they have like one of those really bad performances. Like last week, they beat Tampa Bay. They run college sweep. They ran the, it looked like USC. <laughs> I thought John McKay was calling plays again.
0: Like they were just running the sweep. Well, play. it was a USC. It was Sarkeesian up there. <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing. He, Probably stole it from John McKay. He, I'm sure he did. He steals all his <laughs> plays. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, The two best play stealers, I think Jim Bob Cooter might be the best play stealer. He steals all of (laughs) If you watch Detroit tape, fans, okay, if you watch Detroit tape, everything New England does, they steal in Detroit. It's hilarious. It's so obvious. Nobody picks it up. And I think Jim Bob Cooter's obviously – it's a good thing. Sometimes, you know, what do they say? Uh, You know, plagiarism if you steal it once, research if you steal it
0: twice.
1: I'm going to say Jim – I'm not saying he's stealing. I'm saying he's doing research. Well, every
0: single basketball coach in the world does that. I mean, they take plays from other people, and they usually name it after something else. Uh, I remember Steve Kerr talking about that. I don't, I, I, I everybody likes Atlanta in the points. I, New Orleans in the dome, I,
1: I think this is their revenge moment. Mm-hmm. I think that they really, that, that left a bitter taste in their mouth. I like New Orleans here. I really do. I think New Orleans is the better team. I think New Orleans is going to have to throw the football effectively, and I think New Orleans can. Now, they're going to have to play well on defense.
0: They're going to limit Julio Jones, but the Falcons' offense is so inconsistent. I like it. I like New Orleans. Absolutely. And Let's talk about a team that will be impacted if the Falcons do take a loss, and that's the Dallas Cowboys who are getting Zeke Elliott back, and they're going to have the Seahawks coming to town. I mean, this is a real statement opportunity for the Cowboys to make a run for the playoffs. Right.
1: I mean, can you believe Seattle's a four-and-a-half? Are they a four-and-a-half-point dog in this mm-hmm. game? It's really kind of, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, this is winner or loser go home and winter might go
0: home too right yes well, uh, there's there's some dominoes between the lions and the falcons and some people ahead of these guys that have yeah, to fall in place i
1: mean and i know zeke comes back really helps their offense and, and seattle was embarrassed last week i mean when you get embarrassed like seattle did last week i, I think there's there's got to be a sense of challenge and there's got to be a sense of purpose and i i would not count russell wilson out in this game I think Seattle, when their back's to the wall, they've got to show me something. Dallas struggled like hell to beat the, a really bad Oakland team. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for me, I think Seattle and the points is a good play here. I, I know everybody's going to jump because Zeke's back and all that. And and I think that's great, Zeke's back. But still, they got to get open. Dez can't get open against anybody. They're going to have to make some plays in the passing game. And I think that Seattle, I think David Irving, whether he plays or not with the concussion, and he's been hurt. That really hurts Dallas's defense. If they can handle Demarcus Lawrence, I think Seattle will move the football on him. It'll be easier for Seattle to move the ball in this game
0: than it has been for the last couple of weeks. And this is a chance for Russ Wilson, basically, to spoil the season for the Cowboys. So he usually takes advantage of those opportunities. Uh, quick tangent on uh, Zeke Elliott. He went down to Cabo San Lucas uh, during this whole stint. Yeah. He's apparently working out the whole time. There were pictures that were leaked of him. I he saw lo- some of those. He looks back in shape. Yeah, got, got that six-pack going again. Eric Dickerson was down there working with him. I think we could see something special from Zeke when he comes yeah, back. Yeah, I
1: do. I- you know, look, I, I I definitely do, but they're gonna when you know they're gonna run the ball and you're good and you can play some run defense, which they didn't play against the Rams last week. I think they'll play. I think the challenge. I think look, you've been when you're embarrassed in the NFL, you have to either make a statement or not. And I think the best time to do it is on the road. I don't know. I think Seattle's run defense will be a little bit better. I think it's great that Zeke's back, but he's still got the clapper controlling things.
0: Absolutely, and he'll he'll still clap his way to the top. Uh, next up, we have the Rams. Speaking of a, a team that blew out the Seahawks last week, the Rams are going to go to the Titans. The Titans team we have never never said I, many I'm nice not, things about. So, I'm not,
1: and you're not going to get anything out of me nice today. I'm, Could it be I'm, a letdown game though for the Rams? No, I'm all in love with the Rams. And here's what I love the Rams. Okay, everybody's all upset about the Rams losing their kicker, the the great Greg Zerline. and mm-hmm. who's Greg their, the leg? Yeah, the Greg the leg. Tremendous. I think it helps the Rams in this way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you have a kicker like Zerline, who's so good, and you got a third and seven. Sometimes you settle. Sometimes you settle, right? And I think when you're not, and you don't have that, like what, 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 what we should do, like I think TV should do this. Like, so if the ball's at the 35, okay, and we know it's going to be a 52-yard field goal, Right. There should be like going for it on fourth and three or making the fifty two yard field goal. We should have the odds up there. We can calculate it like immediately, right? Mm -hmm. But that's how a coach has to think, okay? But a coach can't think like that on fourth down. He has to think like that on third down. So what I'm saying, and what I think is gonna happen for the Rams, just the way they call plays and the way they do things, I think the Rams are gonna be more in four down mode when they cross the forty yard line, when they cross the enemy territory and they're in their own like they're coming down to kick the field goal. I think they're gonna be more four down. I don't think they're gonna settle for the, oh, we got three. Don't worry about it. We'll just play defense. I think they're going to be a little bit concerned about it. And that concern is going to lead them to be a more dangerous call and plays on third down. I I think that's something that we really like. People love this. People love the percentages. Everybody loves the, you know, look at ESPN probability (laughs) of winning, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. If you're sitting there at your own, at at the opponent's 30, right? That's a 47-yard field goal. It's third and three. Right, and you don't get it. Now, You 47-yard field goal has a 66% chance of making it, and going for it on fourth down has a 52%. Okay, you, you know what I mean? You, you weigh it wait.
0: out, and if you have Todd Gurley, who's averaging six yards a carry, or, just yeah, give him the football. And
1: you're, and you're moving the ball effectively. But what, but that's just evaluating fourth down versus the kick. Mm-hmm. If you call plays on third down with the right mentality, I think it becomes way different. So I think the Rams are really, are really going to be more explosively – dangerous in this situation, and I think it'll really pay off. I think losing him's going to hurt when they've got to make that 37-yard field goal, and the, you don't want to risk that one, right? And can the guy make it or not? But I, I if I were the Rams, I think I would have signed, and I don't know if there's somebody out there, but like a, the, the old days, like Matt Bar, who's just – freaking automatic mm-hmm. like anything inside of 40 he makes right like I think I would have yeah, done not that for
0: distance but just for accuracy right. I would have yeah, just yeah. done
1: that I would have tried to find somebody who's just I know this fucker will make it right I know he's going to make it what you know this is it and so I can count on those points and then I'm just going to go for it because then would become more dangerous come playoff time
0: I was going to say Connor Barth but that was a homer pick so I get that
1: <laughs> hey um but you know going to for Tennessee I mean this is a great like for me I know teams are like thinking about. Well, they made the playoffs. Are going to rest? Like the Rams right now, even though they lost to Philly two weeks ago, that was a really good game. Like they're hot right now. I I know Bill Simmons has been on them all year. I haven't, (laughs) but I know he has. He's adopted them as their hometown team. But I think that uh, uh, I I, I think that this is a, a statement game for the Rams to really like. Put a good bad team away because yeah. the Tennessee Titans are a good bad team.
0: Yeah, and put them away. And I will say this I uh, I have a Jason Brown Rams jersey. And I, I know you do. The, I've seen to, it. Yeah, I went to the movies. So I, I was walking around Hollywood Boulevard going to the Arc Light here uh, with Mark Titus and. I had three or four people stop me and say, "Go Rams." So yeah, that's, the, the LA people are buying into the bandwagon, just like we. It expected. hasn't made
1: it to the beach because I walk Bell and Lana every day on the beach. Uh-huh. Okay, and I haven't seen a Rams jersey yet. I haven't seen. I've seen Duke hats. I've seen North Ugh. Carolina hats. I'm oh, sorry, Tate Frazier. I've seen North Carolina hats. Lost a Wolford. I don't know. You know, I don't even know how you came to work the next day. But anyway, <laughs> I, um, you know. But it hasn't made it to the beach. I haven't seen much of that. Yeah, see no Chargers anything.
0: Well, I think that's supposed to be Chargers territory right down in Playa, right? They, I, they, they I pick think... like 15 spots and they're like. Yeah. This is Chargers land. This (laughs) is Chargers land. And I don't think anyone has adopted it. I I don't
1: know if it is. You know, uh, and on Tennessee, like, like Mariota's (laughs) going to have to play. Like, he's going to have to show he can play. Like, they got to have a game where they can stand on their own two feet.
0: Like, I I just don't see it here. I really don't. Is there any, this is a little bit of an aside, but is there any world in which the Tennessee Titans go to the draft this year and they address the quarterback position?
1: No, I don't. Because I think what they'll do, before they do that, they'll fire Malarkey and hire an offensive coach. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they'll do. Like Jim Bob Cooter. Like Jim Bob Cooter. And I think that that's kind of where they are in this whole thing. I think they're going to have to figure out what they're going to need to do.
0: Okay. Uh, Final game this week. And this is a game. Drum roll, please. Yes. This is for history. This is to make sure that the Cleveland Browns can at least get one win this year. We're going to see if Hugh Jackson can finally get a win on a Sunday. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Chicago Bears. This is their last chance, right? With the, they have the Steelers next week. There's no way no they way win, they that, win game. that game. Yeah, no. Yeah. So no, Browns, Bears. Uh, no,
1: because I think the Steelers will need to win that game next uh-huh. week to, to hold off Jacksonville, right? Yes, exactly. So, I mean, if the Steelers don't need to win that game, then uh, things might change if they have the, the, say, they have the the two, the three, or two Say C. Jimmy
0: G knocks out the Jaguars. Right,
1: yeah. or something like that. Then it becomes different. I don't, what I don't understand is how is Chicago a six and a half point favor over anyone?
0: Well, it was the Browns. That, well, that's the only explanation.
1: And I think this. And and I the reason I asked that question because I, I pray Masoned you there. You know what Perry Mason is? <laughs> yeah. You the, You you really ask a question. You know the answer to. Yeah, already. rhetorical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I pray Masoned you on that. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know what? Because. Because my man Hugh Jackson threw Deshaun Kaiser under the bus. Like, how do you think he's now the
0: third time he's done that this season? How
1: do you think he's going to play?
0: Like, it's like unbelievable. There's no way he's going to be able
1: to play like that. And
0: he's and he's killing his value outside. I mean, even if he's not your quarterback in Cleveland, you don't have to throw him under the bus because then some other team may see him and like what he's doing and maybe want to. I don't know. How
1: do you even go to How do you go to a quarterback meeting knowing you just threw him under the bus?
0: I don't know, but it's never been his fault. You know, it's been a lot of people's fault, but it's never been his. I'm telling you something. I think there should be a thirty for thirty done on
1: Hugh Jackson because it is (laughs) freaking. amazing how a guy who's 1-29 in has this allure about him that he's a great coach. And my question is this, is and, and I'm not being a Cleveland Brown hater here at all, but if I were a Browns fan, which I am, if I were a Browns fan, I would want to know, like, tell me what quarterback this guy's ever developed. Mm-hmm. He threw Jason Campbell under the bus when he was a head coach at the Raiders. They traded for Carson Palmer, okay? Like, I want to know, like, what quarterback he's ever developed from the time the kid came into his wing... A.J. McCarron, they draft him. What quarterback has he developed that is going on? Like, people get these labels, Tate Frazier, that that they're a quarterback guru, right? Like... Okay, tell me what quarterback they've developed. Like, John Gruden is really a good quarterback coach. However, that being said, he's 60 and 57 in his career in Tampa Bay, right? Mm-hmm. He's drafted three quarterbacks in his career at Tampa Bay. Chris Sims, mm-hmm. Bruce Gretkowski, mm-hmm. and Josh Johnson, okay? Gruden's really good if you have a veteran quarterback. Gruden's not The gonna, Rich
0: Gannons of the world. He's good at those guys.
1: Mm-hmm. He'll—Brad Johnson, Rich Gannon, you get those guys to him. But to take a young co- quarterback and develop them. There's, you know, like he had Rodney Pete in Philadelphia. He had Ty Detmer in Philadelphia. You know, it, it's never gonna be easy for a young quarterback with John. And I think, you know, so you have to understand that. That doesn't make John a bad coach. That just you gotta know what you're getting into, right? Yeah. Same thing with 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 Hugh Jackson. Like, just show me, like, let me be objective. Let me go look up what quarterback he's developed. Let me call that quarterback on the phone and say What did Hugh do for you? Right. Like, I can remember we were trying to hire Bobby Petrino at Oakland when I was there before we hired the great Art Shell. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, Rich Gannon had Bobby Petrino in the in, in the Pro Bowl because Petrino coached at Jacksonville for a year and they coached the Pro Bowl one year. And so you could talk to Rich. What do you think about Petrino? I mean, he told me everything about him as a quarterback coach. Forget Petrino as a human being. I'm talking about just as a coach, right? And so... You know, he told me everything I needed to know
0: about him, right? So you could do that, like just. And he's still developing quarterbacks, I man. We see Lamar Jackson, and well, he,
1: yeah, like the guy. That's where I, I think people are missing on Lamar Jackson is this guy is one of the best quarterback coaches in the world who could coach young quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what you get with Bobby. You know, what but John, you know what you get, right? And so Josh McDaniels, you know what you get. Look what he did with, J- with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, okay, he's developed Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And you kind of have a track record. Matt Nagy has taken Alex Smith and turned him into this, right? You know, I know I give Doug Peterson a lot of crap, but whether it's John Filippo, Doug Peterson, Frank Wright, I'm not sure I get it a straight story coming out of Philly, but they've modeled Carson Wentz's offense after him. Give him credit, right? So I just don't know, like, if I'm, if I'm, like, I don't know how Hugh Jackson gets away from that that area like how does he get away from that
0: I don't I don't understand it but I do know this I think that from my perspective I've always thought Hugh Jackson was a running back guy I don't know if it's because he coached running backs and when he was with Cincinnati and had geo and all those guys there but I mean Duke Johnson has been great I mean he's done well in the backfield in Cleveland but I don't understand how he went from being a good coach with running backs and now he's his quarterback guru I don't know where that leap was made but it's
1: it's hard to find it Tate Frazier everything about the NFL is all about publicity the reality of the league is so far from what what's but a guy's labeled a genius to the reality of it and what people really think behind the scenes, you know. It's called the spin zone. Yeah, it's so bad. And it, and it becomes more and more. And if you talk to anybody in the league or you really talk to people around the league, I mean, you know, they'll tell you. But anyway, the league's going to shake up here in about uh, 10 days when the workforce changes. And we have six jobs we know are going to open. Could be nine at the most. It's going to be funnier.
0: Yeah, it's going to be good. And uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about some of the playoff implications that are going to go down this weekend. Uh, the Jaguars, as crazy as it sounds, they're still in play for the top AFC seed. Uh, if the Patriots and the Steelers were to lose one more game heading this out and finish the season 12-4, and four, the Jaguars have the tiebreaker over, over both those teams. So they could have home field. Through, Blake Bortles could have home field throughout the entire playoffs. Amazing. Uh, if that happens. Um, the I mean, look, New pick, England's
1: yeah. not going to lose to Buffalo this week. New England could lose to Miami. and uh, not, not The Jets in Week 17. I'm um, Good luck, Mickey. Um, you know, and good luck, Mick, this week at playing home. Who do the Jets have this week? They have the uh, Chargers. Oh, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Mick, block the edges, please. Chip, <laughs> please, Mick. Please, Mick. Chip
0: Joey Bosa. Chip Joey Bosa.
1: <laughs> Chip Melvin Ingram. And then when they get in that odd floater look and they put Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa over there, slide the protection to them. Please. Uh-huh. Thank you. I, I can't see them doing that. I, I, I would have a hard time thinking Jacksonville secure that. I think Pittsburgh. Look, Pittsburgh has uh, Houston this week on Monday night. And you know they're going to win that one. Then they got Cleveland. I, I just can't see them having the number one seed. I, I really can't. I'm. A, I don't see New England or Pittsburgh losing any more games. Yeah. That's my point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also we got the Eagles. So if the Eagles win on Monday night against the Raiders, they will clinch the top seed uh, in the NFC. And if the Vikings lose to Green Bay, which most likely will not happen without Aaron Rodgers, but if they do, uh, then that will also give so the So if the Eagles Vikings the win, one seed.
1: if the Vikings win on 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 Christmas Eve or no on Saturday, uh-huh. right? Then they have they're guaranteed at least the two spots. Yeah, they're guaranteed a first round bye.
0: Right. Yes. Exactly. Um. And also the Chiefs. So if the Chiefs uh, get a win over the Dolphins, or if the Chargers lose to the Jets, they clinch the AFC West this weekend. Okay. Um, which is another big showdown. Um, and then there's just a million, million ways for the Buffalo Bills uh, to try to stay in this playoff run. Which one. they
1: have to beat New England this uh-huh. week. Basically. When they it comes to down beat, to it, they yeah. just have to beat New England. Right. And, and then the NFC, it's really going to come down to who's going to get that sixth seed. I, I think the NFC is going to be – like there's a, like two teams from the NFC should almost go and play in the AFC because the AFC, went at five and six, whatever those teams are, whether it's Baltimore, Tennessee, I mean, those NFC teams are actually better than those. But I mean, I know you, you can't do that. That's just in theory. But the reality here is, you know, those uh, a six seed at, say, Baltimore plays Jacksonville, let's say, in the opening round. Mm-hmm. Uh, three plays six. It, you know, as much as Jacksonville's dominant, it would be hard for them. I know Jacksonville killed Baltimore over in London this year, but that, that's a rematch game. I think it would be hard for them to d- duplicate that. I mean, that's why I, when you play Jacksonville in the first round, it's not like you're thinking, oh, my God you got to know how
0: to play the game, but you could play the game. Yeah, and when you see Jacksonville on the schedule, for the most part, people are pre, pre, preconditioned and predetermined to think they can right. get a win there. Uh, the Panthers win against the Buccaneers. They will clinch a playoff berth. Uh, the Saints also, if they beat the Falcons, will clinch a playoff berth. Um, and if, if the Panthers lose and the Saints win, then they clinch the NFC South. Wow. Yeah. So a lot going on this weekend. Uh keep your eyes peeled and uh I'll be at Tony P's. We'll be yeah. there. Yeah, you'll be there. I got a, a table
1: there at Tony P's, got oh. a bunch of people coming. On Christmas Eve. Yeah, hell yeah. I gotta watch the games. I gotta watch my man Mick. Chip the edges, Mick. I gotta watch my man <laughs> and, and uh gotta watch all these games. I mean, you know, I won't be able to enjoy the barbecue in North Carolina, but I'll be I'll be there.
0: I'll do what I can. Uh I'll be back home in North Carolina, I'll be watching the game. I'll miss uh you at Tony P's, but it sounds like you're gonna have a great time.
1: Thank you. Merry Christmas, day Fraser. It's been a great year. Thank yeah. you.
0: And we'll be back next year, twenty eighteen. Uh next week if you want to get some nfl coverage we got a great chris borland interview a guy that left football pretty early with kevin clark and bill simmons and robert Mays and kevin clark will do their regular show next friday and uh, we will see you in 2018 thanks for listening to gm street part of the ringer podcast network hope everyone has a merry christmas and enjoy the holidays